Uh, you can be seated. Uh, like I said, I, I want to uh, wish you all a happy Mother's Day. Uh, I know um, it's nice to be gathered for Mother's Day. It's different than last year uh, where we were online only. And uh, so uh, we're, we're glad to be together. I'm, I'm glad uh, to have you here. And um, I, hope, I hope you realize that as you're mothering and, and some of you grandmothering and all of that, that uh, your labor is not in vain. Right, your labor is not in vain. You're making a difference uh, in the lives of your children, your grandchildren, and, and your families. And uh, as as a church, we're really grateful for the work that you do. So thank you. I want to kind of tell you a little bit about this morning. So just so you can kind of know a little bit. Uh, um, in August uh, every year for the last two, three years or so, I go on a retreat. Uh, um, in either Missouri or Indiana, it's been in both places with a group of pastors. And everybody brings like two or three kind of sermon series ideas and uh, shares them. And sometimes people take ideas and make them their own. And uh, sometimes you just end up doing your own thing. But uh, usually at, around the end of that retreat, I have a general idea of what we're doing for the next year in, in terms of sermon series. Now it changes and it's fluid and all of that stuff. But in general, I have an idea of what we'll be doing for the next year, the, the August before. And uh, so I had it kind of laid out. And, and the first time I realized that my scheduling game was a little bit off was Sunday this year uh, fell on Valentine's Day. And if you remember, we were in an Abraham series and we did a sermon on circumcision on Valentine's Day. And then as I looked forward, I realized that on Mother's Day, uh, we had slotted in the calendar, loving your enemies. And I'm going, I think the spirit's screwing with me. Like, yeah, yeah, I really do. What, what on earth is going on? And uh, I honestly thought about changing it, but I find uh, that when the spirit works that far in advance, there's usually a reason. And uh, so we decided to, to go ahead uh, and, and preach the sermon and uh, stay in the sermon series that we have. But we are, uh, we are glad that you're here. We do hope it's a, a great day. We have a gift for you on your way out today. Uh, so be sure to, to pick that up on, on your way out. And uh, again, I, I just hope that you as moms and, and grandmothers know that uh, it, it sometimes I think feels like a thankless job and that it's all for vain. It's not, you're making a difference. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for Jesus. Uh, we thank you for his grace. And um, Lord, as we uh, kind of plow forward into this uh, Luke 6 passage, um, it's, uh, it, it's a tough one uh, for us as Christians to get, let alone our culture. Uh, and, and so we pray that we would live out these truths of, of love uh, in a very real way. We again thank you for Jesus. It's in his name we pray. Amen. I am not uh, really what you would call a techie. Uh, I don't have to have every piece of new technology that comes out the minute that it comes out, but there have been a few times in my life where I have experienced a new technology that, has, that I knew right away, this is absolutely going to change the world forever. Uh, the first, it had to be 15 plus years ago. I don't remember exactly when, but I was home and I was watching the Oprah Winfrey show. Don't judge me. I just was. I'm not going to justify myself to you. Um, I was watching the Oprah Winfrey show and she was highlighting this new technology that she had discovered and loved called Kindle. And uh, I'm, uh, I love to read, I, I, I really do. And so I turned to Cheryl and said, I've got to get one of these. This technology looks awesome. And we ordered it and it came. And the minute I experienced it, I knew that it, it, this is forever gonna change the way we read. 
Uh, and I've been reading on Kindle now for 15 years, and uh, a lot of you probably read on Kindle too, that the world has just never turned back. Kindle changed the reading world forever. Uh, the other time I remember this happening was several of my friends, uh, uh, several years ago now again, were talking to me about Netflix. And all I knew about Netflix at the time was, remember you used to send out for the DVDs? Some of you are old enough to remember this. You'd send out for the DVD. They'd send you in the mail a DVD, and then you'd watch it, send it back, and you had a queue that you had to operate of movies that you wanted to get in a certain order. And someone said, no, they, they've moved away from all that, and now they're streaming. They're going to stream all of their content. And I was like, all right. So I, I got like a 30-day you know, free test driver or whatever, and I've been giving Netflix $10 a month ever since. And the minute I experienced it, I was like, the world's changed. It's never going to be the same. This is too convenient. Commercial-free streaming content. And uh, we forget how revolutionary this was 10 years ago uh, because everybody's doing it now. Uh, Netflix absolutely forever uh, changed the world. A more recent one for me was uh, several uh, months ago, uh, right before the pandemic, a friend told us about grocery pickup at Kroger. And uh, we have two small kids and we're often busy on the weekend and uh, sometimes grocery shopping is a little bit inconvenient. And Cheryl said, I'm just, gonna, I'm just gonna try this out. We love it. This technology has forever changed the world. I promise you, if you haven't done it yet, you need to. Uh, you submit your list, they do the shopping for you, you drive to Kroger, they load it into your car and you go home. Uh, it, it is an amazing, amazing piece of technology, and I believe it's forever changed the world. Like I said earlier, we're going to be in Luke 6, and the truth is we are attracted to the new and the different. And the new and the different has the power to change our lives and to change our world. And honestly, I, I know this is going to sound a little bit like overselling, so forgive me if it does, but I honestly believe the passage we're going to study today has that same power. It is so, what Jesus proposes here and commands us is so different. It is so unusual that as I'm going to illustrate at the end of the sermon, seeing this lived out, it has the power to change our culture and our world and our lives. This passage of scripture, I really believe it is that powerful. It is that unusual. It is that different. And so we're going to read uh, the whole passage, and then we're going to uh, kind of take it a little bit, kind of chunk by chunk, and I want to really dive into what Jesus is teaching us here. He says, but to you who are listening, I say, love your enemies do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, and pray for those who mistreat you. If anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to him the other also. If someone takes your coat, do not withhold your shirt from them. Give to everyone who asks you, and if anyone takes what belongs to you, do not demand it back. Do to others as you would have them do to you. If you love those who love you, what credit is it to you? Even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who are good to you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners do that. And if you lend to those from whom you expect repayment, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners expecting to be repaid in full. But love your enemies, do good to them, and lend to them without expecting to get anything back, and then your reward will be great, and you will be children of the Most High, because he is kind to the ungrateful and the wicked. Be merciful, just as your Father is merciful. So he starts out in verse 27. He says, but to those of you who are listening, I say, love your enemies and do good to those who hate you. 
So let me ask you a, a question. How do you tend to treat those who hate you? It's kind of a weird question to be, be proposing on Mother's Day because this is a day where we celebrate love. We celebrate for the love that exists in our families. But I want to dive into a, a, a little bit. And it's also an unusual question because usually in a church setting, we are asking, is there any hate in your heart? Is there animosity in your heart? Is there anger in, in your heart? And we look like a lovely crowd here today. I'm sure no one hates you. And honestly, if they did, it would be for one of two reasons. All hate derives from one of two reasons. One is, uh, one possibility is it's the result of your sin. You did something or said something. Maybe even you're here today and you regret it. But something happened in the past and now a person hates you. They might hate you though because of their sin. That you didn't do anything wrong. It's just something that's going on inside of them. This was the, the, one of the lessons of Jesus. There was no sin in Jesus. He came, he preached, he did miracles, he healed people. And the religious leaders felt like they were going to lose their authority and they were going to lose their power. And so they decided it would be better if Jesus just went away. They hated him and it was their sin. It was their issue. And here's why this is also important. The thing is, if, he, if you know of a person who hates you, or dislikes you, um, or doesn't feel great about you, right? If you know someone uh, in, in, that, in, that, in, in that realm, their feeling toward you has probably caused them to do some pretty harmful things to you, to say some pretty terrible things, to take some pretty terrible actions, to, to do some stuff that maybe they regret, re regret. And the question of this text of when someone hates you the question of this text is, are we just going to rinse and repeat it? They hate me, so now I hate them. They mistreat me, so now I mistreat them. They do bad to me, so now I do bad to them. Are we just going to keep repaying evil with more evil, violence with more violence, nasty words with nasty words, or Jesus is inviting us. He says, can you choose a different path? Tough lesson, but, is, but it's a good question worth, are we just going to continue to rinse and repeat? Or can we choose a different path? And here's what Jesus says. Do good. Do good to those who hate you. Verse 28. Bless those who curse you. This is a Greek word. It has uh, primarily to do with the words that we speak. This Greek word does. It's that, that when someone is verbally attacking you, damaging you, spreading lies uh, about you with their words, and almost every person in this room, at some point you've had this experience where someone is slandering you or trashing your name, making things up maybe out of thin air. And the question of this text is, what is your response going to be to that sin? Because it is a sin. Slander is a sin. What is your response going to be to that sin? Are you going to slander back? Are you going to trash talk back? Are you going to make up untruths about them? Or are we going to rinse and repeat? Or can we find this thing inside of us to choose a different path? To bless them to bless them when they've cursed us, to break the cycle and to do something different. Jesus goes on at the end of verse 28. Pray for those who mistreat you. If someone slaps you on one cheek, turn to him the other also. If someone takes your coat, do not withhold your shirt from them. Give to everyone who asks you and, and, and do not take uh, what belongs to you. If anyone takes what belongs to you, do not demand it back. And again, Jesus is proposing this question. What, what is your reaction when someone 
mistreats you. Now, the previous examples, they have to do with kind of emotional stuff, anger, animosity. And then the next example has to do with disparaging each other with our words. And this lesson that Jesus is now teaching takes it into the physical with two examples. The first is the slap example. All right. Now, you have to understand that, that we think of slapping in a certain way, but th- this, was, this was done a, a very common way of delivering an insult in the first century. And here's what would happen. A person would hit you backhanded, backhanded on your opposite cheek uh, to them. They'd hit you backhanded uh, to, to indicate that they thought you were less than. And it would often be accompanied with a violent verbal insult. So they'd say something terrible to you and then kind of backhanded you. This would be done typically by those that are in power, Rome in this case, to those that were not in power, the Jewish people. You can kind of contrast this with uh, like boxing and two equals fighting each other where they're going kind of, we even have a phrase for this, mano a mano, man to man, you know, we're, we're, we're gonna fight each other. This is not what Jesus is talking about here. Jesus also isn't advocating here just putting up with violence. As a matter of fact, I think as this illustration unfolds, Jesus will indicate that the exact opposite is true. Jesus' teachings indicate across the board that he wants violence to stop. Any violence against you is wrong. And if you are being mistreated in a violent way, it should be reported, prosecuted, and justice should be served. Violence, according to Jesus, in his own teachings, violence is wrong. What Jesus is doing here is he is drawing on a very common cultural example from the first century of a thing that almost every Jewish person had experienced. And he says, if someone walks up to you and they insult you in this way, they call you a terrible name and they insult you in this way, he says, turn to them the other cheek. Now, what is going on here? What Jesus is showing us is that it's almost impossible, if, you, if someone slaps you on one cheek, it is almost impossible for you to turn the other cheek and have them slap you that same way again. They'd have to use their other hand, but assuming they're not willing to do that, if, if it weren't COVID and Mother's Day, I'd bring someone up as an example, right? <laughs> to show you that this is impossible, right? To hit someone on both cheeks in this way is impossible. What, Jesus is te- what is Jesus suggesting here? What you are doing by displaying your opposite cheek is you are making a point to them that you are not less than. You are making a point, you are standing up for yourself without engaging in any violence at all. So you can imagine it happening that someone's like, man, you are fill in the blank. And you turn to them the other cheek. They can't slap you again. And so what you're saying is you are forced now to see me as who I actually am, a loved child of God who is equal to you. And you haven't engaged in a bit of violence at all. You are breaking the violence cycle. You are breaking the violence cycle. Same thing with stealing, all right? Someone steals from you because they believe in some way that they are allowed to take what they want. They are powerful and you are not in their mind. So when someone takes your coat and Jesus says, give them their shirt as well, give them your shirt as well, all of a sudden the balance of power has shifted and they are forced to look at you and see you for the person you really are. Kind, loving, and holy. Here's the thing Jesus is saying. Jesus is trying to get his followers to break the cycle. We're not going to meet violence with more violence. We're not going to meet stealing with more stealing. We're not going to meet words with more words. We're not going to meet anger with more anger. We're not going to meet hatred with more hatred. We're going to pray. It's a great way to love someone that has exhibited violence 
right? If someone's regularly exhibiting violence, I don't think I can be in a relationship with them. You may be right about that. Pray for them. That doesn't take any personal contact at all. We're praying, and then we're responding to power, and we're responding to selfishness with generosity and grace. Jesus is not articulating here that we'd be doormats. What he's articulating here is that we stop the cycles that are present in our culture. We stop the cycles that exist in our culture. So when people are angry, we don't respond with anger. When people steal, we don't respond with more stealing. When they're uh, hate-filled, we don't respond with more hate. And I can tell you what, if you're like me, the first time I read this passage years ago, I started to find some loopholes. I started to look for loopholes in it. Because I'm like, Jesus, no offense, I would never say this out loud because I'm a pastor, but you know, I, I'm not sure that this is possible and I'm not sure that it works. And you know why we feel that way? Because it is so different from what we live out in our culture. It is so different for, from what we see in our culture. Consider cancel culture. Cancer, cancel culture happens when someone does something legitimately that they should not have done. They say something most of the time legitimately that they shouldn't have said. And our culture makes them the enemy. Our culture cancels them from our culture. We want nothing more to do with them. We meet their anger, their angry outburst, with more anger. Consider the lack of grace, that we are so punitive in our culture, and we are so slow to offer second chances. Grace is rapidly disappearing from our culture. Consider the lack of kindness in our culture. I'll tell you, if you ever want to see this on display, go and read any article. It could be about Biden. It could be about Trump. It could be about LeBron James. It could be about anybody. You go and you read any article, go to the comment section of the article, and you will see absolutely how angry, hate-filled, and aggressive our culture is has become, and what you see in that comment section is someone will say something aggressive and somebody else meets it with more aggression. Somebody will say something hate-filled and somebody else will meet it with something more hate-filled and on and on and on it goes. And here's what we need to know this Mother's Day. As followers of Jesus, we're called to something different. We are. We're called to something different. We are called to love everybody. Jesus says, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. We are called to love everyone. You know what our nation has settled for? And I'm worried, that our, I'm worried sometimes that the big C church is settling for as well. We've settled for tribalism. Here's what I mean by that. Tribalism says that, man, if you're part of my tribe, if you're part of my group, if you're like-minded like me, I love you, I protect you, I'll go to the mat for you. In other words, if I'm a Republican, I love Republicans. If I'm a Democrat, I love Democrats. If I'm a conservative, I love conservatives. If I'm a liberal, I love liberals. If I think everyone should wear a mask, I love mask wearers. If I, if I think everyone should love the police, I love, the, I love people like that. And you get the point. Tribalism. If you're part of my tribe, if you're like-minded, if you're part of my group, I love you. And if you're not, I meet your aggression with more aggression. I meet your hate with more hate. I, I meet you where you are. And you just need to know we're called to something different.
where we love not just our tribe, not just the like-minded, not those who look and sound like us. And there are two engines, according to Jesus, that drives this train. The first is this on the screen for you. Jesus says, do to others as you would have them do unto you. We sometimes call this the golden rule. How many mothers in the room have ever said this to your children? <laughs> right? Do to others as you would have them do unto you. This, this is like a mother mantra, right? At least it was with my mother that, you know, uh, I remember one time, I have no idea why I did this, but my sister and I were sitting there, we were watching TV, and I was eating licorice. I've always loved Twizzlers. And I had a piece of licorice in my hand. I said, hey, Lisa, tell me if this hurts. Whack. And it raised a welt on her leg. And she was angry and ticked out. And I remember my mother kind of pulling me aside. And she'd said this, right? Do to others. Steve, just do to others. Would you want Lisa to do that to you? No, I wouldn't. I thought they were getting ready to let her do it, right? No, they're like, do to others as you would have them do unto you. I bet every mother has shared this. So let me ask you, how do you want to be treated? Just think about that for a minute. Typically, we want to be treated with a lot of grace. I do anyway. You probably do too. When we mess up, when we screw up, we hope for and sometimes expect love and mercy. And it's so simple. And you probably came to church today for something a little more complicated, but it's so simple. Mom told it to you years ago. Treat people the way you wish to be treated. So when the guy at work screws up, the question we're asking is, how would I want to be treated if I screwed up? When the family member drops the ball, how would I want to be treated when I drop the ball? When the neighbor is rude, how would I want to be treated if I was rude? How exactly would you want to be treated if it was you? Now, here's what Jesus says, rinse and repeat that. Rinse and repeat that. We're not rinsing and repeating anger, hatred, and violence. We're rinsing and repeating this attitude that says, how on earth would I want to be treated? Here's engine number two that drives this. If you love those who love you, what credit is it to you? Even sinners do that. If you're good to those who are good to you, what credit is that to you? Verse 34, if you lend to those who expect and expect repayment, what credit is that to you? Love your enemies. Do good to them. Lend to them without expecting anything back in return. We're not even going to get into that element, right? I think the other stuff's hard enough. Then your reward will be great, and you will be children of the Most High, because he is kind to the ungrateful and the wicked. So be merciful, just as your father is merciful. Everybody loves those who love them. Tribalism is easy. It is. Everybody loves those who love them. They just do. There isn't anything different or amazing about loving those who love you. It is easy. And if I can just kind of say, I think our standards have become so low on this in our culture. They they become so low. But as Jesus followers, we are called to a very high standard. Why? Because we are children of God. And if you're a follower of Jesus, here's what is true for you and here's what is true for me. We have been transformed by grace. We are so grateful that God didn't see us in our sin and see us with our issues. And we are so grateful 
And even if you're not a follower of Jesus, you should be so grateful for this, that Jesus didn't look down and say, I'm going to love those who do good. He didn't say that. I'm going to love those who are righteous and holy. Instead, he chose to love those through the cross. He chose to love those who didn't always do the right thing. Those that screwed up. Those that were sinful. And it's every single one of us. Here's the truth about Jesus. He died for people that were so different from him. He did. He died for people that were so different from him. He showed mercy to those that were so different from him. He showed grace to those that were so different from him. And when we understand it and internalize it, we are blown away by it. Here's what the text says. We are merciful just as our Father has been merciful to us. So we respond to those that we disagree with, those that we think, that think we are their enemies, those that have morally chosen a different path. We respond differently. We do. We respond lovingly. We respond with grace. Now, do we stand up for the truth? Yeah, we do. Do we stand up for what is right? Yeah, absolutely. Do we stand up for justice? We're not doormats, right? We stand up for justice? Absolutely. But if we can't figure out how to do that, I don't think we really understand what the truth is or righteousness is or justice is. And every once in a while, our culture gets a front row seat to what this looks like. And it happened um, in 2006, the year that I moved here. Some of you may remember this story. There was an Amish community kind of out in the middle of nowhere that had a small school where they educated their children. And one day, a deranged man came into that community, stormed into that one-room schoolhouse, and started shooting. Ten kids were, were shot. Five were killed. And then the gunman turned the gun on himself. I want to share with you a news clipping. Here's what it says on the screen for you. I think the most powerful demonstration of the depth of Amish forgiveness was when members of the Amish community went to the killer's burial service at the ceremony. Several families, Amish families, who had buried their own daughters just the day before were in attendance and hugged the widow and hugged other members of the killer's family. On this Mother's Day, absolutely amazing, right? Because I bet we have some mama bears in this room that are like, oh, I'd go all right. <laughs> I'm not going to go with a hug. I, I'm going, but I'm not going with a hug. Where do you find that depth of grace? That depth of forgiveness? That depth of mercy? Here's where I think it is. It is understanding that through Jesus, God welcomes, hugs, and loves people whose sin was responsible for the killing of his child. You want to dig deep and find mercy and grace? Understand that sentence. That through Jesus, God welcomes us, he hugs us, and he loves the people whose sin was responsible for the killing of his child. 
And when you understand that, when you understand that, it changes the way you interact. It changes the way that you treat people. And you say, man, I am not going to respond to anger with more anger. Our culture's had enough of that. We've had enough of it. I'm not going to respond to anger with more anger. I'm not going to respond to animosity with more animosity, hatred with more hatred. I'm not just going to love Republicans or Democrats or people that agree. I'm not going to do that. I have been changed and transformed by grace. So I'm going to be changed and transformed by grace, and I'm going to treat people differently. And I don't think the chances of any of us ever going through anything like that are so horrific, are, are minuscule. But I know that every day, every single day, we can be God's grace, mercy, and love on display. And that is worth working toward. Let's receive communion and celebrate that moment together. We celebrate his body given for us, his blood poured out for us. And it's just an opportunity for us to remember what Jesus did and to internalize it and to be transformed by it to be transformed by it. And it will change the way we interact with everybody. Moms, it will change the way you interact with your kids and your husband and your grandchildren and your neighbor and your boss. And it changes the way we interact because we are changed and transformed by this truth. So I wanna pray and give you a little bit of time uh, to thank Jesus for his grace and to ask him to transform you. Uh, And I'll ask him to transform me. And then after a little bit of time uh, for you to spend time with God, I'll come back and we'll receive communion together. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for Jesus. Oh, we thank you for his grace. We thank you for his grace. And right now, Lord, we want to be changed and we want to be transformed by that grace. It is in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen his body given for you, his blood poured out. May we receive it. May we be transformed by it and changed by it. And may we leave this place ready to walk in grace, mercy, and love. Hey, God bless you guys. I pray that today, uh, for all of you uh, moms and grandmas, I pray that today is a blessed day. uh, And uh, that uh, you really enjoy it. Uh, It's nice to be gathered back together on Mother's Day. So we're glad that you were here. Uh, On your way out, we have a gift for you. We'd love to have you uh, uh, pick up a rose and uh, just know that we're praying for you. We're grateful for the work that you do and God bless you. Have a great week ahead. We'll see you next Sunday.